Today we are in Jesus, the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the, in the story. Last week was the birth of Christ, uh, and today is his, his temptation and then some of his works of ministry. I wanted to start, and, and, and this, is a, this is a lesson that's very, very simple today and very practical. It won't be a terribly long lesson, but something that we can really use uh, to, to, to practically follow God and, and tap into his power in our lives. Um, this is a teaching that is also pointed, was pointed out to me by Rob Reamer, who's a teacher that we really love here. And it's just such a, such a simple teaching, but such a powerful one. It just keeps coming up. In John 8, 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The powerful thing that was pointed out to me about this this passage uh, is... You know, we often will throw around this verse, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the, but the real impact of it is only felt if you go backwards to verse 31. It says, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Simply knowing the truth is not going to necessarily get you anywhere unless you do something with it. You have to hold on to it like with a vice grip. And we're going to see Jesus do this for us today. When I was preparing to preach earlier in the week, I learned that Jen was preparing to share uh, th- this message. It was a great message about the temptation of Christ, about the power of God. And I had been meditating on Jesus' works from Luke 8, which was one of the passages from this past week's reading. Uh, and I was very excited to see how these two lessons really support one another. You know, in Matthew 4, Jesus was, was tempt- tested by the devil uh, in the wilderness. And I'm going to pull this up because... I thought Jen was going to read it, but she, she, she was just demonstrating it. So I'm going to sh- share the passage with you. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. We see in this passage that, that Jesus himself was tempted in the very same ways that we are. And, and you can go through this passage and see how all the different things he was tempted with are things that, that could easily befall us. You know, 
fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he's, he's wanting food, obviously. Power, you know, shortcutting the work that God was doing through him. All of these were real temptations. He was tempted in every way, just as we were. And Jesus did not use his God nature or his God power to resist the devil. He did exactly what God asks us to do when we're tempted. He did exactly what God asks us to do when we are tempted. He could have used his God power and just blown Satan out of the water, but he provided an example for us. He held on to God's written word, the scriptures, the Son of God. He held on to the written word of God. These are all quotes from the Old Testament. And he stood fast. Amen? The devil fleed from him when he wasn't able to shake Jesus. This is the way. This is the way to tap into the power of God. To hold on to the written word of God given to us in the Old and New Testament and not let go. And the promise is that if we do that, the promise that the devil will flee from us, just like he fleed from Jesus. And in doing that, we're also drawing near to God. And the scriptures say that he will draw near to us. And the angels will attend us as they attended Christ. Hold on to the truth. Jesus could have used his God nature, his God power to resist the devil. He could have spoken new scriptures. He's God. But he chose to hold on, you know, for, as an example, I believe, to us, to the word of God in the, in the Bible. Now, we, we might wish there was an easier way than this. But this method from being delivered from the enemy and his temptations that Jesus modeled for us um, is, is the way. It is the way. We'd like there to be a magical prayer we can pray or, or some kind of willpower we can tap into or a person that can deliver us or help us. But Jesus said, hold on to the written word of God and the devil will flee from you. The reminder from Hebrews 4 is that we do not have a high priest who is not sympathetic with our weaknesses, who is unable to empathize, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just like we are, but he was without sin. And this is why he held on to the word of God. Now, can we relate to Jesus' temptation by Satan? I think we can. In, in the passages in the Bible, when it talks about the devil bringing him places and showing him things, it doesn't say that the devil was, was there physically. It could have been in his mind. It could have been a presence or some, something. We don't know exactly how, what this looked like. But a lot of what we face when we're tempted is just in our, in our heads. We think it's us many times. And sometimes it is. The tempter can take the form of your own flesh or your weak human flesh, fallen, desiring things that are bad for us and against what God wants for us. We all have that same predicament, being in these bodies. It could also be the devil's internal whisper in our thoughts, even using scripture to condemn us, taking things out of context, as he did with Christ. Um, we, we hear these thoughts, and, and the devil does tempt us like he tempted Christ, to take a shortcut, to do something that doesn't require character, but will look good to everybody else. We could also be tempted by the world, you know, to, to embrace something that the world calls good, but God calls evil and God calls sin. And we are bombarded by this daily. All of us are. And it's a vicious cycle. 
It's hard to tell between the flesh and the devil and the world what's, what's happening, but it's happening. It's inside of you. It's outside of you. Who will deliver you from this body of death? Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. The method to be victorious is the same as Christ's method. It's not always easy to do to hold on to the truth and to know the truth. But when you hold on to the truth, you show, you show yourself to be his disciple because you're holding on to his teachings. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth, Jesus Christ. You will experience, you will actually know Jesus by holding on to his word and, and getting through a, a, a temptation. Isn't that inspirational to think? You can get to know the living, risen Christ by taking his written word and holding on to it when tempted. And then you, you take hold of the living word, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. We show ourselves to be his disciples. Jesus was the son of God. He had all the authority in heaven and earth. But Jesus emptied himself to provide an example for us on how to follow God as weak people in weak and frail bodies in, in a world that is bombarding us. It says in, in Hebrews 5, 7, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Though Jesus was the Son of God, he emptied himself, it says in Philippians 2. He emptied himself. And he humbled himself to be in a human body, to be in a child's body with developmental limitations. That's why it says he learned and grew, right? He had all the authority in heaven and on earth. He learned obedience through what he suffered, holding on to the truth of God's word, offering up prayers and petitions to God. He was heard because of his reverent submission to God's word. There's this passage in Psalm 119 that says, um, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. A lot of times, Christians who feel like they were burned by religion in their past in different, different churches, they're like, oh, you know, people say, read your Bible and pray, but that's not really a relationship with God. I'm looking for something different. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one, <laughs> you know? You really don't. Um, because knowing the Word is how we get to know Jesus, you know? Holding on to, to the Word of God in turbulent times, we know the truth, the truth sets us free, we are shown to be children of God. We don't want to yeah, get rid of the religious spirit. Get rid of that spirit that says, 10 pages a day or you're a bad Christian. That's garbage, right? Get rid of that. But realize that this is a pathway to relationship and an unavoidable tool. <laughs> like, you can't avoid the tool of the written word of God. You need to know it and you need to hold on to it. You need to understand it. Um, our, our, culture is our, Christ our Christian culture is very focused on devotional reading, which is great. I love devotional reading, where you take a passage, you meditate on it, you ask God to speak to you, you know, what, what is this saying to me today? But truth be told, sometimes when you're reading your Bible, he's not, you don't really feel like there's that devotional moment. You need to think about this as building up your arsenal. The Word of God, in context, when you take this into yourself, it might not mean much to you today. But tomorrow, 
you might need to know that truth and hold on to it. Or someone around you might need to know that truth and hold on to it. It might not be for today. It might not be that maybe, maybe we don't just need devotional reading. Maybe we also need to go back to some of the just reading it to know it because <laughs> we want to know Jesus. Not because we want to be the smartest Bible person. I'm not. None of us are. But we can all, whether no matter what our developmental level or whether we're a child or an adult or whatever our capabilities intellectually um, that, that we have and limitations we have, we can all come to know the truth to hold on to it, to be set free from, from, from children to adults. Jesus had all the authority in, in heaven and earth, and he chose to hide God's word in his heart. And when did Jesus get in trouble? Hanging out in the temple and losing track of time, talking to the rabbis, arguing about the meaning of scripture. He was taking it in at that developmental level. Think about that. Kid, you know, Elias's age or Cohen's age, my, you know, thinking of my kids. Just whatever, whatever he could hold on to. Then we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. In Luke 8, we see the fruit of Jesus' showdown with Satan and the temptations. Because Jesus learned obedience through suffering, and he maintained his authority as a follower of God, as an example to us, over all things perfectly. And in Luke 8, we see that Jesus was given authority over everything because of his obedience. He had an authority when he prayed. He had an authority when he spoke. And people took note. Whenever anyone spoke that sounded pretty amazing, they took note that those people had been around Jesus. Jesus had authority, great authority. He, he learned it through submission to God and holding on to the truth in difficult times. We learned that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John last week, they, they all... Amen. Um, they all provide a different look uh, into an aspect of who Jesus is. And, and I love Luke because it shows Jesus reaching out to just normal people who have normal problems like us. It's so relatable. If you need to know that Jesus is open to you and that you, you can be open to him, read through Luke and just read what God does. I think that actually the message, if, if, we, were to, if we were to write down everything Jesus did in his ministry, the scriptures say it would fill so many volumes it wouldn't fit in any library. He did lots of stuff. But the gospel writers chose to include, you know, selectively different stories, and I think it's for a reason. I think the, the Holy Spirit wanted us to know that God loves and is open to anybody who comes to him, and, they, and, it, and it shows us that by showing him to reaching out to people who are the, the outcasts of society of his day, people that were the worst sinners, the worst whatever it might be. He went to the extreme edges of society, and reached out to those people. And you're supposed to read that and say, well, if he can do that for them, he can do it for me. You know? So Luke is great. And Luke 8 is awesome because it shows Jesus' authority that he earned through holding on to the word of God in the midst of struggle. He calms a wicked storm with a command from his mouth in Luke 8. He restores a demon-possessed man with a command. This is a worst-case scenario demon possession. Multiple demons a person fixated on death, living among tombs, breaking chains, just totally out of his, out of his mind. And he restored this man with a, with a command. He heals a woman who has a lifelong medical condition where she bleeds just all the time. Um, he, and all she did was come up and touch his garment in a crowd. 
lifelong condition. He raises, finally, a dead girl to life with a command. The authority of Christ is amazing. And we need to remember that in Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, and now I'm giving it to you to go and make disciples. Continue in my ministry. Follow my example. I wasn't being, I wasn't, I wasn't using my full godness in my life and ministry. I was following God the way I expect you to learn to follow God. And you need to do what I did. Hold on to the written word of God. And the truth will set you free. You know, as modern people, we've stopped fearing nature the way that people did, at least where, where we live. I think in other parts of the world that's not true. Something about watching a weather forecast makes us feel like we're sort of in, in control. Like we know what's happening. But ancient people, including Jewish people, lived in terror of the weather. Both for losing their, their livelihood, their crops, but also because the sea just swallowed people up. And they, 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 they pictured the sea as a monster, as a, as a beast, as a leviathan, a, a, a tremendously terrifying thing. I read from Psalm 46, Therefore we will not fear, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. It's all, that passage is all about the sea and its, its turbulence. And it's saying, in the midst of that, be still and know that I am God. When I speak, the earth melts, right? So, trust God. But they, they lived in terror over the sea. And I'm going to read this. We're just going to read through this, this, Luke, pa- this Luke chapter. It's just remarkable that Jesus' authority revealed. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. I just hear that as laughter in his voice, actually. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I hear. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So this is another tale of extremes, reaching out to people on the furthest fringe of society and then having control over something that's the most terrifying entity in their world, you know, um, the sea. Even, even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the uncontrollable and wild powers of the natural world. And, and this same Jesus said in Matthew 28, I'm with you even to the end of the age. I'm with you even to the end of the age. Go and do what I did. Next, we see this worst-case scenario of, of this demoniac. And clearly, this, this story was chosen because of how extreme it was. They sailed to the region of the Grassnes, which was across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. 
and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is an amazing story, a very extreme story, that shows Jesus' authority over the spiritual realm, over evil spirits, over angels. Like Jesus has authority over these things. And I know lots of people have a problem with all these pigs dying. I'm sorry. It just happens. It's just bacon floating in the ocean. Um, but these, this, the fact is this man who had legion of demons in him was, was set free and set in his right mind. And I think it, it looks like he had some other medical conditions that had risen from his possession. He had some um, seizures and different things that happened to him. He was just set free. In Matthew 28. Go out and do what I did. I'm with you. It's the end of the age. Verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Lifelong bleeding issue that apparently was so bad that she could tell the minute it stopped. You know, so she's continually bleeding. This is a lifelong condition, apparently, from, from childhood, as far as we know. And Jesus was able to heal her, um, really, by her, by her faith touching him, and that he felt the power just go out of him. So Jesus has authority over the weather, over all spiritual beings, and authority over our physical being as well, and our sickness. And this same Jesus is with us to the end of the age. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her up by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. And here we see in the most extreme example 
of, of someone that's the furthest away from a dead person. And Jesus has authority over death. And he has the authority to order lunch for the girl. Just really, uh, just, it always blows my mind. God, and you know, hearing your faith stories, thinking about my own faith stories, um, and then reading through parts of the Old Testament, you know, Elisha, Elijah, um, all these guys. God cares about the big things, and he cares about the small things. It's, re- it's really remarkable. And you might not think God cares about your car, or your house, or, you know, your little problems, but he does. He's God. He's the only one that, he holds all this stuff together. It's amazing to me. So Jesus has authority over, at least in Luke 8, over everything, over the weather, spiritual beings, our physical being and our sickness, and even over sin and death. Full authority. And Matthew 28 says, all authority has been given to me, now I give it to you. Go and make disciples. And behold, I am with you, even to the end of the age. What is that if not an, uh, an invitation, a word to tell us to just join in? Continue my, continue my ministry. Do it in the way that I did it. Most of the time I was functioning in my humanity, relying on God. Hold on. Hold on to the word of God in difficult times. Get the word of God deeply in your heart. Let your faith grow. And know that Jesus is with you and calling you to do the same types of things he did. You're not going to die for anyone's sins like Jesus did. Truly only God can do something like that. But the rest of this stuff, we're called to join in the ministry of Christ. And he is with us. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Truly I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to read the exact wording of that. Just to show you, this is, this is God's word to us. So I would tell you, be imitators of Christ. Also imitate people who are good at imitating Christ. Um, I'm not going to claim that. I'm going to say, imitate those who do what Christ did. Get into the scriptures often. Not as a religious person, but as inspired to want to fill your battle chest with whatever you need for what's coming. So that you can hold on to the truth and be set free. And then get the authority to then share that with other people and to set other people free. You know, it's self-righteousness is righteousness for the sake of self. You know, right, righteousness before God is righteousness for the sake of others. Jesus emptied himself to serve us. We empty ourselves to serve him and the faces of the people around us. When you're tempted by Satan, the world or even your own flesh, 
hold on to the truth of God's word. And the truth will set you free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And know this also, this promise of Jesus, I am with you to the end of the age, it's a promise for us. He's with us. We're not God. We don't always know what to do. We often do not know what to do. And we're encouraged to come to him with all kinds of requests and petitions and ask him and um, and to do this in community, do this one another. I, I've made it individualistic in some ways throughout this message, but don't get the don't get the idea that this is just for you. It's for everybody, right? I think that if you asked people in church, who do you go to? Who do you go to when you need prayer? You know, in the church, uh, there are people in this church that are doing the ministry of Christ, who are speaking into each other's lives, many times with Scripture who are delivering people from demonic spirits, who are praying for wisdom and helping uh, to, to, to discern God's will. Now, you are not alone. And you can be that person that people think of when they think, who can, who can pray with me? You can be that person. And you have authority, as you grow in authority, uh, from holding on to God's word in the midst of trial. Again, this is not easy, but something that Jesus did, so we need to follow him. As you gain authority... You're going to be able to do some awesome things as you walk through through sickness holding God's hand, um, holding on to the Word of God even when you're not healed, even when things don't, even when God's will is not to do that for you, right? Um, Jesus, of course, it says he was heard in all of his cries to God because of his submission to God, and God heard him, but Jesus died on the cross. So sometimes God hears you, but there's a different plan, right? Um, Jesus submitted perfectly. God heard him. Um, whatever your life context, whatever your story is, whatever your, your testimony is, um, holding on to the word of Scripture daily and standing up underneath it, you're going to grow in authority. And as you go through the unique situations of your life, whether it's adoption, you know, whether it's taking two families and putting them together, you know, the, you know integrating... Uh, children, you know, from mixed marriages, whether it's whatever it is, if you do it, holding on to God's word, you're going to have authority to really bless some people. And you can be that person that people think of. You know, I, I should talk to this person. I should pray with them. I saw how they stood up underneath that thing and held on to the word and didn't fall away. It's very inspirational to me to think about this. And it's so much, it's so different from a religious spirit where we just do this for our own sake and our own, pat ourselves on the back. You know, it's it's really quite beautiful, and uh, I want to invite you to that. And we're going to be, we're going to be talking more about prayer in the coming days. I, I want to do trainings just to get ourselves thinking about praying for other people, thinking about using our authority, and so that we can all be those people. Because truthfully, I worked in a, in a regular job before I was working in the church in a warehouse, and people knew I was a Christian, and they, you know they they busted my chops and stuff sometimes. But you know what? People came to me for prayer when their lives went bad. And so, this is truly also, as you go, this is the Great Commission and language, as you go, do my ministry, do the ministry of Christ. Um, as you work, as you play, as you are at the YMCA, as you work all day, I don't know, <laughs> for little pay. You know, as you go, you know, this is a way to also build the kingdom in the world and not just be about you know, our community, but about those outside of our community as well.
and I hope that our church exists for the sake of those people, you know, at the end of the day, the people that have not yet come to know Jesus who will through the ministry of the body. And we are not Jesus, but we're used by Jesus, and he's with us even to the end of the age. I invite the worship team forward. Just going to sing our hearts out to God, and I'm going to pray as they come. Father God, I thank you so much for, um, for your word. And I thank you for your example. I thank you for emptying yourself. Thank you for paying for my sins and covering my shame. Thank you for inviting all of us, whether we, whether we are on the outskirts of society or we are, we are not, inviting all of us into this ministry, into this relationship. I pray that for those who are needing it, myself included, that we would take action instead of being a victim. We'd start holding on to the truth and waiting for you to set us free. And if that doesn't work, taking a brother or sister's hand and saying, will you pray with me? Will you help me hold on to the truth so I can be free? I pray this all in Jesus' name.